Um, back, in, uh, back in my last year at Bible College, I went on a, uh, a trip to the Holy Land, went to Israel. We, we first landed in uh, Cairo, in Egypt, and we made our way via down to the Sinai Peninsula in a sort of a kind of a way it was like retracing the steps of the Hebrew people as they left Egypt and uh, made their way into the promised land. So to bed early one night, very early one night, we went as we awoke at 1.30am and readied ourselves to uh, take a short drive to the foot of Mount Sinai and then hike our way to the top. It's about a two and a half hour walk. The plan was to watch the sunrise over the plains of Saudi Arabia, look back the other way, as the, and you'd see the sun sort of rising over Africa. And so, with great excitement, we set out on our walk to walk that trail that led up around the, the arid mountains. And so that's a, a photo halfway up, or thereabouts. Some of the party chose to take a camel ride three-quarter of the way up and, uh, and then the camel became too treacherous for them from that point on, so they had to walk the rest. What a plan. What a, what a great adventure. What a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Cameras in the ready and so off in the dark we set out. Excitement. Excited about this adventure. And although we'd only, sorry, although we'd been enjoying pleasant autumnal weather, they'd told us that it might be rather cold and so we should dress for the very cold. Our guide, who had been up Mount Sinai some 18 times, had never experienced snow. And so the winds began to howl, the sleet hit you in the face like bullets. It was no longer a pleasant walk to the top. It reached negative seven and the wind chill factor made it feel more like negative 21. It was bitterly cold. We weren't dressed for that kind of weather and on we walked through the cold, through the sleet, through the howling wind Enveloped by the clouds, we couldn't see too much at all, all the way until we arrived at the top. And guess what? Nothing changed. (laughs) You thought I was going to say it all just moved away. No, nothing changed. But would the weather change? How long should we wait? How long should we hope Fortunately for us, there were a few little Bedouin souvenir stalls. Of course, they're souvenir stalls at the top of Mount Sinai. And basically, there are four posts with, with a bench yay long, and, uh, and these little stalls were lined with carpet. And so they closed the doors, and in we went to try and keep warm. In our little stall we soon discovered that there were people from at least eight different nationalities, eight different countries, crammed into this little closed-in stall trying to keep warm. Needless to say, we didn't see the sunrise. The weather didn't improve. 
And so we had to trudge down. Such dreams, such hopes, such an adventure, such a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Never going to be there again, probably. Such disappointment. In some ways, this describes the wanderings of the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt. The writer of Hebrews has just warned them not to think too highly of Moses and now reminds them of their ancestors. They had been delivered from their oppressor. They'd arrived at Mount Sinai. They were given the law by Moses. Some incredible events had taken place and then their hopes and their dreams were challenged. Their faith in God was challenged. They ultimately then began 40 years of further wanderings and hardships. So let's have a look at Hebrews chapter 3. We'll start at verse 7, 7 through to 11. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me though for 40 years they saw what I did this is why I was angry with that generation I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways and so I declared on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest what a warning against unbelief For over 400 years, the Hebrew people lived in Egypt under the oppressive hand of the pharaohs and they were excited about heading off, getting into their own promised land to live in a land of milk and honey and freedom. Excited about that, looking forward to that. Yet as he so often does, God brought the Hebrew people through the desert through a desert experience, through tough days, through a place of testing and challenge to do just that. Test and challenge their level of faith in God. And I don't think God's methods have changed. Frequently he allows us to go through difficulties that we'd rather not. We don't want to go through the tough times, through the testing times, through the difficult days. To see, however, God allows that to happen, to see whether we have enough faith in him. Whether we really do trust in him to provide for us and to protect us. If you're going through a storm or going through a desert kind of experience at the moment, in one sense you're in no different place than everybody else has ever been or ever will be. But here we have a warning against unbelief when the days of testing and trial come. As we too look forward to that ultimate home in glory where we no longer have our worries or concerns, our frustrations or the restrictions that we have in life. Today, if you hear his voice... Do not harden your heart 
as your ancestors did. You see, the same sun that melts the wax also hardens the clay. Is your heart soft toward the Lord? Or is it hardened and becoming harder, perhaps because of bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness? Sure, you believe that Jesus died to save you, but you're disappointed in the circumstances that you're going through such that you may even be angry with God because he hasn't been there for you as you thought that he should. Is your heart soft like wax or is it getting harder and harder like clay? Just like the Hebrew people, we too make our choices as to whether we will listen to the Lord or not. Today, if you hear his voice, he continues to speak to us. He continues to challenge us. He continues to prompt us by his spirit. When you're tempted again to go back to where you know you shouldn't, when you're hearing his voice, when you start to think about getting revenge and you're hearing his voice, When you decide to keep drinking, when you know that you'll lose control, you're hearing his voice. When you're tempted to get into gambling, when you know that you should forgive but refuse, you're hearing his voice. When you'd rather lie than admit fault or ask for forgiveness. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as your ancestors did. You see, the problem was not the one-offs, but repeated disobedience and rebellion. Whinging and complaining, which all demonstrated a lack of faith in God. I want my circumstances to change and then I'll feel better. Verse 9 says that it was their lack of faith that meant that they were constantly trying and testing God. And eventually he had enough and they suffered the consequences. They did not enter their rest. They did not enter the promised land. And the writer quotes from Psalm 95. And the writer knew very well the power, the power that is within God's word when God speaks. That God continues to speak through his word under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The writer knew that as he was quoting from Psalm 95, the Spirit would be speaking into their hearts and he says, if you hear his voice, if you sense the Holy Spirit prompting you, do not harden your hearts. The more that you harden your heart, the harder your heart becomes, the less you are likely to hear the voice of the Spirit or sense his prompting. So whenever you read God's word, be ready to sense and invite the prompting from the Holy Spirit. Have a heart of wax. Ready to respond to the warmth of God's voice. The writer is at pains to point out that the same rebellious and faithless heart that their ancestors had and perhaps 
they despised was lurking within them all and is lurking within us. Same rebellious and faithless heart. Verse 12 to 15. See to it, brothers and sisters, see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Verse 14, we've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. If ever there was a verse that spoke against once saved, always saved, this is it. And more so in the context of this passage, in the context of these verses. Context of these verses is about standing firm, of not falling into disbelief, of an unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God then our salvation is only sure if we hold firmly to our original conviction until the end. There is no doubt whatsoever that God will keep his end of the bargain, that he will be true to his covenant. He is faithful and our salvation is secure in him as long as we hold up our end and continue to place our faith in him. So firstly, be careful. See to it. Watch out. Be careful. We, we often say to our kids or grandkids, watch out, be careful. Because we know that without due care, there will be consequences that they'd rather avoid. So be careful, the stove's hot. Watch out for traffic before you cross the road. Be careful, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. And so something that we can be careful about. Be careful to avoid sin. Be careful not to head down the whinging path that leads to a lack of faith in God. Be careful to keep placing your faith in God, especially when your circumstances are anything but favourable, when your circumstances are anything but what you would like to go through. Be careful to keep placing your, your faith and your trust in God. Be careful that your sin does not lead you or that your sin does not lead anyone else astray. Be careful. Secondly, be an encourager. And Kate reminded us last week that Christianity is meant to be done in community. Verse 13, encourage one another daily. Daily, encourage one another. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We need the encouragement of one another. And don't we need the encouragement of one another? 
don't we? Encourage one another daily. We find it so easy to find fault in one another. We find it so easy to pick on one another, to let one another know how they've not met our hopes and expectations. We let others know very quickly when they let us down. We've become so self-focused that we seldom think about how can I encourage you? How can I encourage somebody else today? Life's all about us. We become so self-focused. We want everybody else to encourage us. And so this verse says, encouragement has the potential to lift another out of falling headlong into sin. Encourage one another so that none may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Think of it this way. If we're not encouraging but rather discouraging, then we should share in the responsibility of another's spiritual backsliding. Because our lack of encouragement may see another believer fall. It's that simple. Whereas our encouragement may help to prevent the hardening of someone else's heart. We all love to be encouraged. We don't need criticism. We don't need false accusation. We don't need discouragement. The devil's plenty good enough at that. So encourage one another daily. I'd like to suggest that you put a note on your fridge that says, who can I encourage today? Who can I encourage today? And make that the goal every day to encourage somebody. Because it may help prevent the hardening of somebody's heart. Thirdly, be consistent. Hold firm to the end. Remember once again to whom the writer is addressing. These were predominantly people who had grown up under Judaism. It was very much to them a religion. It was a set of rules to follow in order to appease a holy God. So whatever I have to do to make you happy, God, I'll do that. But now they'd come to a new and a fresh understanding that they were now saved through Christ, through faith in Christ. And Christ was superior to the angels, he's superior to Moses. Their salvation was secure if they would hold on to their faith. Verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our conviction firmly to the very end. We've come to share. We've come to share in Jesus' ministry. We've come to share in his family. We've come to share in his work. He came to serve and he's called us to serve one another. We've come to share in his, in his ministry. The writer then returns to his words of warning. And although the, the word of warning may be a personal one for each of us under the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit convicts, 
our heeding the warning right throughout this passage has a communal aspect to it. I encourage you to read the whole passage again and see how it is actually directed to the community. A rebellious spirit, a wayward heart, a grumbling, complaining person soon infects all of those around about them, can lead others down the same path. Verses 16 to 19. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. This warning against unbelief. A rebellious person, a disobedient soul, a hardened heart, someone gone astray, someone, a person who no longer believes or places their faith in Jesus is in a position whereby they will not enter the eternal rest. Twice the writer says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So when you sense the prompting of the Spirit, don't harden your hearts, but respond. And also, the writer says, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Today is the day that you don't harden your heart. Today is the day to ask the Lord for forgiveness. Today is the day to repent and turn back to him. Today is the day to encourage one another, as is every day. Today is the day to stand firm. Today is the day that however God speaks, prompts or leads, you respond. Again, the moment that we refuse, we start to harden the heart and it becomes harder and harder the more that we refuse. In a similar kind of a way to the Hebrew slaves, as God leads us, as God leads you and I out of our spiritual Egypt, as we wait the fulfilment of the promised land, every one of us, faces difficult days. Every one of us faces testing and challenging times. We all have unmet hopes and dreams. We're all looking for excitement in the next thing. We all suffer disappointment as we trudge through the desert or we face our storms. But in the midst of all of that, Praise God. Praise God. Jesus is with us all the way. And that's how Paul started the service today. Regardless of what we're going through and the struggles and the battles and the hurts that we've been through, Jesus is with us. Place your faith in him and continue to strengthen your brother and sister 
Let's seek to be encouragers rather than discouragers. Let's take a moment in prayer.